It's everyone's favorite show about all things Utah. A show where four hosts, and sometimes a guest, discuss whatever they want regarding Utah, and mostly stay on topic. It's the new Utah Podcast, with your hosts, Bree, Chris, Jeremy, and Jessica. Yeah, it's episode 233 of the new Utah Podcast. Yay! Um, I was listening to that intro and I heard myself say it's everybody's favorite podcast. I'm not sure who everybody is. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's everybody. If you're so listening to this, you are favorite. everybody. It is your favorite. It is. Oh, I have a new, we can do a new shout out. Oh. I can just say whatever the fuck I want, right? And it's true. Uh, it's it is, true. it is, uh, the day before Veterans Day, i.e. Bree's birthday. Mm-hmm. So happy birthday, uh, to the lovely Bree. Um, she is. <laughs> Uh, my wife and not my wife. Oh, I thought you were going to say your age and I was like, my wife and not my wife. Oh, you can say my age. Okay. I'm going to be 45 tomorrow. I don't care. Yeah. She's elderly. She's my elder. So, <laughs> so one of everybody's is our listener, Rod Schiffman, who, uh, actually sent us a message on Facebook and, um, made a comment about our communal, uh, chat. Oh yeah, last I saw week. that about communal. Yeah, the, communal the restaurant in Provo. Yeah, in Provo, and so um, he, he set us straight. He did set us straight, but it was it was a good like, it was a good set of straight. They don't just do like one meal. Um, they have a full a la carte menu. There you go. Yeah. So thank you for listening, Rob. And they have normal tables apparently too, yeah. not just the communal table. Yep. So apparently they. No, he said even it. with the communal table, you usually would have space in between you. Of course, um, because people are fucking afraid of everyone. It's not a real. Communal I don't want to sit by other people. <laughs> Let me tell Whenever you. Whenever you sit at tables with other people at Tebinyaki. Best Chinese? No, you don't. Not you usually. Do. If I do, I sit on the. End. They very rarely sit you like next to someone that you don't know. Sometimes it happens Look, if you have a small when group. When you're a solo writer, that happens all the time. <laughs> Listen, I am always a solo I know, writer. That's why I'm saying that. So, But like, okay, my favorite, well, my favorite restaurant in San Francisco is called House of Nan King. It's a Chinese place right in the middle of the Chinese district. It's like, it's like across the street and a half block down from the Chinese Cultural Center in San Francisco. And and it's not open right now because every restaurant in San Francisco has been fucked this year because the California governor is a fucking nut job. Um, but uh, so House of Nanking is a Chinese place and it is a true communal place. You wait in line to sit down elbow to elbow with someone you don't fucking know. So that clearly doesn't happen during COVID, but normally that's what happens. And you just tell them, yeah, bring us, you know, you can say, just bring us whatever you can order. They have a pseudo menu. It's like one page of shit, but they'll just say, well, do you just want us to bring you food? And you say yes. And they will just continue to bring you delicious dish after delicious dish. And they pay attention to how fast you eat because naturally you start to slow down as, as you get full. And then they will start to ask, do you want us to make you something else? Or are you about done? And then when you're done, you pay your bill and you leave and someone else sits in the same fucking spot you just sat in. And it's, it is like four, four rows of bench seating and that's it. There's no separate table. That place is amazing. It's so awesome. That sounds amazing. Anyway, sorry. I just thought we needed, since we were talking about everybody that it's our, their favorite podcast. Yeah, it is. Yep. It is. That guy. What's his that name? Ron? I think it's Rob. It's Rob, Rob. Steve. Rob. We love you, Rob. Whatever. <laughs> that also, you know, if you do have something <laughs> to tell us, just reach out to us. We're pretty we're pretty friendly, usually. 
If you tell us not to eat popcorn on the that's air. That's why they don't let it's me. It's Rod. That's why, they don't, that's why they don't let me answer because I'm not friendly. Nah, that's not true. It's just if you no, try to. No, it's totally true. You try to tell us that we can't eat popcorn on our podcast that we do out of the love of our hearts. It's taken me everything to not go up and get that bag of popcorn because uh, yeah. I've already had dinner. Jeremy got her a, a big bag of shitty popcorn. Stale it's popcorn. not shitty popcorn. It is it's not fucking- stale either. Mm, whatever. It's the popcorn they pop in the store, but it's like three days old. It's not either. Do they pop it fresh every day? Yeah, because that's where Maya works. That's and, Maya's yeah, job. And do they bag it and sell it the same day, uh-huh. or does she pick a yeah, bag? Yeah, it's like the holiday gas station. Look, uh, no, that's delicious. Not quite the same. <laughs> it's like the bag of popcorn I buy at Harmon's that someone brings in. It's been there for a week. Oh, it's no, that's now, the stuff at Peterson's that they, they make it. And Holiday makes theirs, Bri, too. Brie likes stale popcorn, though. I do like stale popcorn, too. She'll eat that bag for a week. It is stale after I like a day or two. Popcorn. It is stale after a day it. or two. But, but they, it doesn't they, matter. But Peterson's makes it fresh because that's what Maya does. That's her job. Yeah, now she doesn't get leftover work popcorn because uh, we don't pop popcorn. Yeah, anymore. he used to bring me the leftover work popcorn, and I don't get we it don't, anymore. We don't pop it because COVID, and you have to stick your hand in the popcorn thing with the popcorn. So we have bags of microwave popcorn available to people, along with our... Gl- you know, my work is pretty Microwave cool. popcorn is okay, but it's not we, the same. We started with... Um, so we've always had the popcorn machine... Um, and and actually, we have a butter dispenser <laughs> as well. Like it's like is a, it actually butter though. No, it, it's oil. No, 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 no. I mean, we have a butter dispenser. Like you know the nacho cheese or like ketchup or mustard uh, things that you you push down the center thing and it squirts out. Yeah, that uh, with a warmer. That it melts the butter. Full of butter, yeah. actual butter. Yeah, but when they ask you in the movie theater, just oh, no, that's not just butter. some sort of oil. But but. That's oh, actual butter Chris's at our work. office. Yeah. Again, not in use because of COVID, but we have a, we have but a, but it could be, it will be in use someday. So we, um, this is like a year and a half ago. Um, our, our chief of staff pushed to get a, uh, breakfast bar set up so that people, you know, if people didn't, you know, have money for a lunch, didn't bring a lunch or, you know, wanted to have something in the morning. Some people don't eat breakfast. We set up a breakfast bar, which started with, Cereal, uh, fresh, you know, cereals and milk in the, in the fridge and, um, some oatmeal and, um, every once in a while we'd have like a breakfast bar snack, like a, like a, um, Belvita breakfast biscuits or pop tarts or something of that nature. It has grown. There's now fresh fruit. There's always some kind of candy. It's grown into like candy a full, for breakfast. Well, it's grown into like a full snack bar now. That's so awesome. there's often yogurt in the fridge. We've always had soda in the fridge available. Um, it's a really fucking cool thing if you want to have a snack or like if you're like me and work 11 and a half hours in the office and don't fucking leave to go get a bite to eat. Um, sometimes a bag of potato chips is your lunch with an orange and that's just what's there. So, but it's really cool. I just thought I'd talk about it. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> it's a nice, li- it's a nice little perk. And you know how much it costs for like the entire staff to do stuff like that? You just run to Costco once a week. It's dirt cheap. Uh, and the amount of, it's weird that something that small has such a huge impact on like morale inside of an office. Being able to be like, oh, I want to, I'm just go grab a thing of Pop Tarts or I'll go grab a, um, you know, Rice Krispie treat. When I was doing my architectural internship. The place that I work kind of had that deal. Sodas, anytime you wanted, any kind you wanted, snacks, things like that. And it does make a big difference. Yeah, it's when I worked stupid. at UHA, we, our fridge was nothing pretty much but, but drinks that I rotated and we had crackers and Twizzlers and mm-hmm. pretzels and, 
mostly snack things because we had lunch meetings and then anything left over from the lunch meetings, the staff got to have. So, so you got the leftovers. We buy this just for the staff. Well, I know, but I mean, if we're talking, it was like soups and yeah. sandwich, like it was actual like meal. Foods. Yeah, we do that on occasion, but that's usually something special where we'll. Yeah, do some this kind was of like food. two or three times a week. You'd have a leftover lunch of some sort. Where I work now, it's weird because I'd never had this before. The most of the staff like bring their lunch from home, like like actual sack lunches. So you see, like the president of the company sitting down with his lunchbox and his homemade, you know, leftovers from last night's dinner that he microwaved in his Tupperware dish. That wasn't anything that I had ever done in any other job that I had. All the CEOs and stuff always went out to lunch or whatever. So I used to go out to lunch a lot. I don't do it so much anymore because that's how you... <laughs> I've <laughs> never done that. I've never been a lunch this this, uh, this front butt that I've got. That's uh, <laughs> it's not a front butt. It's not. It's just a giant fat ass belly and titties. <laughs> I got big old titties. Uh, yeah, that's from uh, that's from going out to a lot of lunches and drinking a lot of beer too. It's both, and and being very sedentary for a lot long periods of my life. You know, so I get so frustrated because like. A lot of times when people are trying to lose weight, they cut out things like, I'm not going to drink pop and I'm not going to go out to lunch and I'm not going to da da da. I already don't do any of those things. <laughs> Stop eating so much candy. I did this week and it hasn't done <laughs> anything. Uh, you know, we didn't have any check ins really. Um, it's cold. Um, it's freaking cold. It snowed. It snowed. It's, it's been the high, like 32. The, the thing high. is, it's been too cold to continue to snow, or I think it would have snowed again. Oh, it's going to yeah, snow Yeah, it's going to snow this weekend when it warms back up to bomb But it's 42. been so cold at night, it hasn't. But the thing about it has been so cold that the snow we did get has stuck around. Yeah, for the most part. It but will. It's, 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 blah, 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 blah. Let me try that again. It's melted at my house, but I noticed the closer I got to yours, it's all still here. Yeah. Well, because our house is like this weird opposite we, vortex of Jessica's house where she doesn't get snow. We get like extra snow. Also, yeah, we got, we get a lot of snow here up on the hill. Cause we're but at the like top of the hill. just our circle, even like if you just go out up onto dewdrops, there's not as much snow in those yards as there are. Well, that's there because there's more street. shade in our street too. Uh, it, it could be, but, but I mean, there are times when we've taken the dog for a walk in the morning and we've had a couple of inches more than the top of the street. Yeah. Snow rope drifts downhill. I guess. I don't know. But yeah, we always have snow here. I, I'm hoping that we get enough snow that this stuff never melts and then I don't have to deal with the leaves that are underneath it. Because <laughs> they fell like the same day, basically. Like they all came yeah. off the tree on Friday and Saturday and it started snowing Saturday night. Yeah. Like there was not really a chance to... I'm glad I've had some my roses. chilly nights, but yeah, it just hit that, I don't know what it was, 20 yeah, degrees. Yeah, it just dropped fast. Something like that. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, there's that. Um, I did want to talk about uh, ourdivorce.com real quick. Um, I wonder how his numbers are work- are looking this week. <laughs> yeah, I haven't I haven't asked him. I was thinking about that the other day. Oh, with the election? Yeah. <laughs> I am done with your ass. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, I wonder. I have seen more divorce TikToks. I don't know if it's because I follow ourdivorce.com. Um, Probably. But I see a lot more TikToks about divorce now. <laughs> 
<laughs> which is, you know, not the algorithm I want to be in because I've still got to get married. Bree's not got to get married. Bree's not still my wife. Um, but Sean asked if I was sure she was the one. <laughs> the <other day. laughs> and, and yes, she's definitely the one. Uh, she's the only one. And if we end up getting a divorce, we'll use our divorce.com. Um, <laughs> Three ninety nine. Are you out of your mind? Two ninety nine. If we end up mind? getting divorced, <laughs> it, we probably it probably won't be amicable. Well, you oh, oh. <laughs> she'll be leaving me. Is that what you're saying? Now, that is on up. the record, by the way. I know. She'll chain you up in the basement. Where's Chris? I don't know. He hasn't been here for a while. And you hear in the basement. Come on, let me out. What's that? <laughs> Nothing. It's the dog. <laughs> no, I threatened to chain her he up does. in the basement. Actually, I'm like, there's a chain <laughs> in that like, closet. He does all the time for real. <laughs> if you try to leave me, you're never leaving the house. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, be the, we'll be that family that you hear about in California where there's 17 kids in the basement and they've all been chained up. And oh, that was, they that, don't, that was in Hurricane. That wasn't even in California. No, there was one in California, too. Oh, right? another one? The one in Hurricane was the one where they went to, like, Disneyland together, right? No, there was a California. No. It, the, in the Tokerville. One, it, was, it was Tokerville, not Hurricane. Well, in Tokerville, that's where they locked our kids in a bathroom with the lights off for days. So I could try that. You want to give that a round, you know, a little whirl before we can get I, married? Can it be the downstairs bathroom so I have a little more room? Uh, no. It's, no. Can it's, I have my heater? No, no, it's not about choices. It's not. It's about you being in the bathroom with nothing. No light. We'll tape your hands together so you can Oh, can't I don't do need light. Um, no, but seriously. I'm pretty much a vampire. If we do have to get a divorce, ourdivorce.com would be the route to go. <laughs> um, I'm, just kidding, I'm just kidding. You could pre-fill all the paperwork out before you're married. <laughs> it's like a prenup, but and not. just have it sitting there waiting. <laughs> I swear to God, I will hit enter. That's true. <laughs> don't you mess My with fucking me. credit card is in there. I'm going to put the expiration data in now. <laughs> don't make me put in the code. CBC code. That's the last piece. Woman, this is your fifteenth strike. <laughs> you know how, like, by the way, that's not something you should ever fucking threaten in a relationship. Like, we're gonna get a divorce because, like, it's just it's such a powerful step that if you say that out loud, like, you might as well have already filled out the forms on ourdivorce.com. Um, it's really not something you should be saying while you're married. Um, but yeah, uh, those guys are they're they're doing fantastic. Um, Have you seen the billboard yet, Jess? I still no, haven't been able to find it. I've only driven down that way a couple times. Which, by the way, I fifteen in Lehigh is open and it's freaking amazing. Oh, there was a TikTok it about it. Yeah, is it finally not a fucking arcade. You game? didn't get the TikToks? No. It's amazing. I've, There's been like five of them. What that have come part of my I feed? worked like eleven hour days, two days in a row? Dude, so you not, still look at TikToks? I tried. I was down that way, and that <laughs> those, are, th- those are my shitting times. That Timpanoga exit that used to be a freaking <laughs> last, It's awesome. Last week when we went home, I didn't watch any news. I just laid in bed and watched Instagram reels for like an hour before I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so ourdivorce.com and also speaking of sad things that are coming to an end um, you make it sound like our divorce is coming to an end no they're not but the divorces are Um, our friends at McGrew Studios are closing yeah yeah, they are doing they're liquidating all their shit yes and is the armadillo for sale I'll ask Grace <laughs> why are you uh, gonna buy it are you gonna buy it cause that it would be yard. awesome <laughs> you could turn it into like a massive planter Jerry's like I'm gonna buy it and then reuse the wood to make a windmill I'm tweet I'm gonna text him that um what about the big sign now that would be badass that big sign the big 
Well, it does have a dent in it because of the earthquake. A board fell and hit it. But um, anyway, so they are liquidating Put all of their stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> and uh, they both have new adventures they're going to be doing. And um, yeah, it's just, it's really sad. They've been a big part of um, the Utah community in all kinds of behind the scenes, whether it's at FanX or commercials or events or, you know... Uh, I mean, they, so they many things. So, stuff, so local movies. Yeah. yeah so. It's sad to see them in that position. It is very sad. Um, did you want to talk about the folklore thing? Yes, too? I do. So um, there are two events I want to talk about this this weekend. The first one is the um, Utah Folklore Society, which is Utah... Sorry, hold on a second. I don't want to say it wrong because I almost spelled it wrong. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I can't miss the of. Um it is folklore society of utah.org. Um, this Friday and Saturday, um, which is the 13th and 14th is their annual conference and it's free through zoom. Um, which I assume does that, does that lend for it to be available at a later time or do they have to like record it? No, they would and, have to record it and okay. make it available. I'm like, I don't know how any of that works. So you can sign up. They're going to have tons of speakers. Um, talking about research on Utah folklore, LDS folklore, I can't even speak folklore, supernatural literature. Oh, they have tons. So you can just, when you go to the folklore society of utah.org, just click on conferences and it gives you all the registration I'd, information. I'd be excited for something like this. I've done a couple of conferences, um, DC during COVID, uh, and they're all teleconferences like this where you're on Zoom or some other platform. And I will say the, they range in 15 minute, uh, quick videos that were pre-recorded, obviously, but made to look live. Mm. Um, and just sales pitches for products to, um, like really good keynote speeches from folks. Um, what I think <coughs> is missing a lot is some of the interaction. That's one of the big things that sucks because these conferences, uh, stuff like this are really good to interact with other people that are there outside of the panels and, and discussions. I, and I should have asked. Downey this morning, like how they were setting it up before, but one of their keynote speakers is going to do a presentation called COVID-19, why folklore is more important than ever. Hmm. And I, that's, I think that would be really so cool to... They're doing LDS folklore. Is that anything in LDS history from about 1950 back? <laughs> yeah, it's all, no, 1850, but come no. on. No, no, no. Nin- anything that happened from about it would be 1950 like 19- back. Oh, yeah. So like a hundred years. Yeah. Like the last hundred years is all folklore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and folklore is is also akin to fairy tales, right? Yeah that's, what, yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at. And what's the difference between Fact. the two? I'm going to look that up real quick. You the difference between fairy tales and folk folklore? Yeah. I wonder if it's just the um, origination from like where the stories came from. It's how many banjos are playing in the background. Well, a folk tale delivers its story from real life phenomena. Fairy tales are made up. There you go. See, I, I, I just, <laughs> look, <laughs> just because it derived from a real life phenomena, like Sasquatch is folklore. But what the fuck actually happened? Well, you know what? It's actually kind of a fairy tale because no one's been able to prove Sasquatch was alive. Right? Isn't that it? I don't know. They're basically the same. One's just a lot older than the other. Right? Fairy tales are much older versions of folklore. That would be what I would think, right? Like fairy tales evolved over the years, like the Bible. 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to piss off like half our listeners saying shit like this. Um, yeah, but that, that, that would be a cool festival because yes. I think... Um, I, I, do they have any storytellers that are actually telling stories? Um, I'm not sure. I can look and see. Because that's one of the things that I love about things like folklore and fairy tales is when you can have a storyteller that's really good at telling that, stories. Remember a, at the Halloween Expo, they had some really good storytellers at the Halloween Expo. And I know that's been a couple of years ago, but man, they had a few good ones. So there's a guy that Fanex usually has. Um, Daniel Bishop, I think is his name. He's a pretty good storyteller. And when he tells, I mean, his, his panels are always packed because he is a really good storyteller. He just speaking verbally aloud is able to completely captivate you and really create visual imagery. So I would be curious if you'd get some of that at the, the, the folklore conference. Uh, what's the other event, Jess, that you want to talk uh, about? Also this weekend, uh, which we'll talk with our guest about is the gender revolution conference. And it is also being held online and it's really awesome this year because normally it's just one day, but because of COVID, they will be doing two days, uh, the 13th and 14th, and you can um, just log on to utahpridecenter.org and, yeah, and get all of the information. They have three uh, major keynote speakers, Skylar Baylar, who was the first transgender athlete to compete in any sport in an NCAA Division One team. Well, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about all this with the guests, too. So Yes, I just wanted to... You well, know, put it out there. And maybe, should we do our little blurb for him? Well, we should now. I was going to wait till the end, but now Well, that you have it. to give us a plan. <laughs> no, I don't. I can just drive us there. <laughs> don't make me turn I don't, this podcast around. Look, we're going to have to like peel back the curtain. If you haven't figured it out in the th- 232 episodes prior to this, we often do our interview separated from the rest of the show. Uh, and sometimes in the interview, guests say things that they... they think they fuck up and uh uh nick actually felt really bad about this one uh so one of the guests uh is autistic and he he said has autism uh in describing the guest and um felt really bad about it because uh there he has a good heart and we got to get rid of we got to get we got to get rid of people with bad hearts yeah <laughs> just kill do. them just fucking slaughter them all no just changing your ver- your your verbiage. Uh, ab- abusive words or something like that, I think, or um, I don't know. Basically, it's uh, what I got out of uh, what he said. This was off air, by the way. Uh, but what I got out of it was um, we need to use less words. Accusatory, I think, is what he called. I don't know. But basically, um, diagnostic type jargon, right? So Right, know, like when I refer to my brother, I just say he's on the spectrum. Yeah. Which like is, he has autism. Which is fine. You don't say he has autism. You say he's on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, but saying he has autism implies that it's a disability. Like he has cancer. Yeah. Right. A diagnosis. Anyway. Uh, so that onion layer is peeled back now. The show's, <laughs> show's ruined forever. Don't look behind the curtain. Forever. <laughs> if people haven't figured that out by now, I guess. But, um, yeah, so there's a correction before the interview. Uh, so now we're going to talk, uh, instead about, um, 
Um, I don't know, something that happened like a week ago that I wouldn't That's let anyone still look happening. at on their phones. So last week, uh, the election was going on. Uh, as we were talking, it was election day, and I made everyone in here promise they wouldn't look at their phones or the results while we were bro- broadcasting. Which it didn't recording. matter because some of the results still aren't in. Yeah, so um, but we do have a lot of them. Um, President Trump doesn't seem to think that his race is over, but it definitely is. Um, he has no mathematical way to win the race at this point, um, which is why every major news outlet in the world, not just in the U.S., in the world, Al Jazeera, BBC, even fucking Fox News has called the election. <laughs> Trump still think he's won. Um, but we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some local shit uh, because I think it's really important to talk about the local races. Um, and there's some, some big changes in Utah politics. I'm not so big changes in Utah politics. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll get to the other stuff later because I forgot to do it first. But uh, um, let's talk about the... Let's talk about the political races, the election. So um, there is still one that is too close to call, and it is a big one. It is the 4th District race with uh, Ben McAdams, the current uh, congressman for the 4th District. The incumbent. Yep. And uh, Burgess Owens, who we've had on the show. The dick. <laughs> uh, right now, uh, as of tonight, uh, and we we now get updates uh, once a day at about 3 p.m. Uh, Salt Lake County will release its its uh, ballot counts. There's still ballots that they're counting, uh, provisional ballots and mail-in ballots that have come in later, or ballots that they're you know they're having to spend a little bit of extra time with, um, and so. Anytime they have to manually count ballots because things weren't clear somewhere on the ballot, it takes a lot longer to process. They have until this time next week. So the 17th is when the election results have to be certified. Uh, and it may take damn near that long to figure out who actually won that race. And if it stays as close as it is, there's a good chance we have a recount. I think it's a quarter of a percent difference, right? Is that what the recount is? Um, 0.25%. Jeremy's killing one of my dogs, and he's woke up the other dog uh, now. Sorry. Um, but uh, right now, Burgess Owens currently leads that race by 1,780 Boo. votes. Now, every single news article I've read about this today and for the past week and a half said, this is the most contested race in Congress in the country. That's absolutely true. They also like to cite that the McAdams um, love race last election, 700 votes was what decided that race. So when we talk about make sure you get out and vote and make sure you vote local, these are the kind of races that your vote absolutely matters in. No one was under any illusion that anyone but Trump would be elected uh, out of Utah. Will you? Um, yeah. I don't want you to choke my dog. He already has throat issues. <laughs> well, so and, and this is what we've we've talked about. Presidential elections, though important, here in Utah, your vote's not going to make that much of a difference. But on the local level, it absolutely is. So that race has actually flip-flopped back and forth a few times. Um, And I'm going to talk a little bit about gerrymandering in a second. But basically, the votes that are left are all in Salt Lake County. There's 29,000 ballots, roughly. Uh, That's the estimate that are left to be counted in Salt Lake County. That is the the vast majority of the 4th District is Salt Lake County. Salt Lake County is not just the 4th District. Uh, it's also the 2nd. Yes, it also comprises uh, part of the 2nd District. Why it's not all one district is because gerrymandering. 
right? So the fourth district. You can't let you just have a Democrat, damn it. Yeah, and we could get into like the really specific lines that have been drawn along Salt Lake County to really separate like the super liberal crowd away from everyone else. So basically, the other district uh, in Salt Lake County is the east side, which is tons of super liberal votes, but they're combined with nothing but vast majorities of conservative votes so that their vote doesn't actually matter in those diluted. races. Yeah, it gets heavily diluted. So the fourth district... Um, is a lot of Salt Lake County, um, but it's also a big chunk of Utah County, heavily Republican. And then for some fucking reason, Juab and San Pete counties, counties that have like a, what, 6,000 votes, uh, in those, in those counties. And for those of you not from Utah, that's an hour and a half to two hours south. South of Salt Lake and incredibly rural. The closest hospital Rural. is is in is in Provo, Utah, which is still like forty five minutes away from Nephi. And what their vote has to do with anything in Salt Lake County? In Salt Lake County, which comprises the vast majority of the population of Utah, you're talking about counties with ten thousand people versus Salt Lake County with like a million and a half people. The the interests of those two communities are so, so vastly different. different because you've got inner city. Problems and you've got as rural as it gets, like not like even your ten year olds driving a tractor and, down the street. And here's why those counties were included: it's one hundred percent gerrymandering, because Juab County accounts for roughly six thousand votes, San Pete County roughly accounts for six thousand votes. They are seventy five percent conservative, seventy five to eighty percent Republican. Meaning that earns Owens just out of those two counties alone six thousand votes. Right. So McAdams, if those counties were included. No, if you said they're each 6,000. Oh, yeah. 6,000 total between the two. If those two counties aren't included, McAdams is winning this race by a lot. Like it's, it's done. Right. There's no chance Owens wins, but that's why they're there. Um, so anyway, out of the 29,000 votes that remain, if McAdams holds the same kind of lead he already has in uh, Salt Lake County, which is roughly 55% of the vote. Um, so would have still been a close race either way, right? But not necessarily this quote close. But out of those 29,000 votes, if they were all for District 4 and he could hold the same lead, that's a 2,900 vote swing in his favor. So he could overcome, still possible to overcome that 1,700 vote lead that, that Owens has. Um, we won't know for a while. We probably won't know for sure until the 17th. And even then we might have a recount as a result, right? So just keep that in mind. Um, that is a very, very close race, closest in the country. Um, hopefully um, McAdams wins for the, the sanity of my lovely wife. Hmm. Um, thank God Biden has won because I think she would be in a different place altogether. Um, but that, that's not the only uh, races that matter. Um, we had uh, some state house races. We had three Democratic districts that flipped, including the district that uh, Brie and myself are in, um, House 38. Uh, the other Kearns district, I don't remember what district that was, um, but like our district, uh, Ashley Matthews uh, beat the incumbent Eric Hutchings uh, by just 350 votes, roughly. My mom helped this year. Not for that race. She's in a different house district. I thought she did that one, nope. too. She's oh. In, in, uh, oh, she's in Donegan's. Donegan's district, who also lost. Yep. So she um, helped with that one. <laughs> but this is the kind of th- 350 votes separated those two in this county. That's like a neighborhood. 
I mean, that's that's your vote absolutely matters in these these elections. They are super, super critical. Um, And these are things that are going to affect you personally. mm -hmm. The state, the state house and the state Senate in particular, you know, when we bitch about like the shitty alcohol laws, that's who make those laws. Right. So you may not be able to uh, make a, a huge impact on the gubernatorial race, but getting out and voting for those local reps is a big deal. County, um, uh, county council seats, things like that. Um, those are, those are big deals. So the, the vote difference between Jenny Wilson and Trent Staggs, who we had on the show, um, significant is about 40,000 votes difference that she won by. So she won by a pretty, pretty handy margin. Um, but that's, you know, 500,000 votes, roughly, you know, half a million votes coming in, which can I also say the voting totals for this election year were unbelievable. Record Super breaking. high. Record breaking. So fantastic. Ooh, like 150 stuff. now, 150 million now. Yeah. Ish. Well, and the, the mail in ballots alone almost outnumbered the people who voted total in Utah on the last, last election, presidential yeah. election. So uh, just the mail ins alone. I like a couple other races of note. Shereen Gorbani won. Also, was, that, was that finally called? Because that one was also very close. Uh, I don't know if they've actually officially called it. She's up by 3,000 votes right now. Oh, good. So I, I think that she's probably got a pretty good shot at uh, closing that out on, back on, on She was amazing. Um, but this is, this is what we talk about. These races are so close at the local level. Um, you know, the, the, the judicial races, the board of education, the councils, those are the kind of races that your vote absolutely makes a huge impact in. You know, unfortunately, uh, Mr. Frugal McDougal, <laughs> that motherfucker <laughs> won by a lot. I just hate his name. He can go to hell for that. But that was kind of the point, right? Like, we've, we're not kidding when we say your vote matters. Um, hopefully, McAdams is going to win, but. It's uh, every time Burgess Owens doesn't fall behind, it makes me a little bit more sad in my heart. Um, let's see what else. Uh, let's talk about uh, talk about COVID. Yeah, let's do it. So I think we have to. Sunday you know, you're nights. not even going to mention how 20% of people voted for slavery. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> <I don't. laughs> or that the amendment passed to make yeah, hunting, hunting part of our Constitution. because a constitutional right. Because, you know, you need to have the constitutional right to go out and kill animals. Also, public schools are now going to have less funding. Just yep. Just so you know, you just screwed your kids over. People. Congratulations, Utah. I don't want to hear it. In a win, this is crazy. <laughs> the constitutional amendment uh, for um, the pronouns? Yes. 57% is all. Like, what the fuck, people? Like, how hard is that to remove him from all the fucking legislation? Like, why why can't we change that in the Constitution? Like, I don't know how half the people in the state voted against that or close to half. It's crazy. Here's the thing. They don't read anything because every single one of the judges got voted back in. That's true. Nobody to be reads fair, stuff like that. None of the to judges fair, were. Only horrible. one of them maybe shouldn't have, but even wasn't that bad. Yeah. Two. Oh, maybe. maybe oh, maybe in yeah. Yeah, maybe in yours, our judges but not in different. ours. Yeah. Our judges were better than your judges, Jess. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so let's talk about COVID. So Sunday night, 
Uh, everyone got a little emergency alert on their phone. And if you were watching TV, uh, you probably also got a weird mix of like the, the governor and the emergency alert so the over governor, the top of him. The governor pre-recorded a speech to address the state, uh, sent it out to all the major news networks. They all aired it at 930. It was interrupted almost immediately by an emergency broadcast alert on the stations. Telling us that he was going to talk. Yeah, <laughs> to watch our TV because he was going to talk. Come back to the governor. You missed a good chunk of what he said. And then another emergency alert comes in that basically say the same thing, but includes the high points of the mandate and then goes back to the governor. And you've already missed another like three minutes of what he was saying. So really poor, shitty run timing on something that they clearly were planning throughout the day. But the point is, um, finally, after months of saying that we should have fucking done this to begin with, but uh, Herbert being too big of a pussy, uh, I'm going to call that out, too big of a little bitch, because he was afraid of the fucking election results, would not make a statewide mass Well, mandate. and it clearly he needed to be, because what happened, people went up and protested. But now, there's a statewide mask mandate. For the next two weeks, uh, you're really like we should not be in this podcast studio right now for the next two weeks, but we're going to be here because we're here every we're week. We're that dedicated. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we want to make a show for you guys. And unless one of us gets COVID, um, we're probably or exposed. But we're pretty good about that, you know. But basically, well, the idea is you want to really stick to your household group, your household Jess had her scare about a month and a half ago. She told us, and we all were cautious and she got tested and well and i think we're all wearing masks when we're out in public and and we're being careful so yep even in utah county i wore my mask um i should <laughs> especially say especially in utah, utah county, county. <laughs> well the crazy part is like truck stops and you go in like when we were driving to colorado and a girl in one was like you could tell who the locals are because we don't wear masks like yeah, i'm in the bathroom and and these girls come in and that's how they you can tell they're locals who the locals are because we don't wear masks and all the people traveling through do like motherfuckers you think you should wear a mask then because you're exposing yourself because to guess all where sorts i of just shit. came from right i just came from salt lake county and at the time Solid County had the highest rate of COVID. But part of the reason all this has come about is, you know, we're over like 2,300 rolling cases a day. We've hit a few days over 3,000 now. Uh, we have a 20%, uh, 20 plus percent positive uh, test rating. And this is the really critical one. At the time that this was done on Sunday, our hospitals were at 74% ICU utilization and 50% regular bed utilization. The problem is... Those numbers, so we have a week of 2,500 to 3,000 new cases a day. In seven days, those are going to be in the hospital. Not all of them. You know, the hospitalization rate uh, is actually not super low, but there's enough of them that our beds are going to run out. But the thing is, is people are just considering COVID beds. Well, you know, the, all the COVID people don't go to the hospital. You need to remember that other things are happening. People still get in car accidents. Or uh, we have we know in our family there are two different people who had to have surgeries, not elective, one yesterday and one one tomorrow, uh, one tomorrow that are having surgery. Um, it, it has nothing to do with COVID. And guess what? Post surgery, where do you go? You go to an ICU unit for a little while. You know, right, ICU recover. unit. Did you just say intensive care unit unit? I did. I did. <laughs> that's exactly what I said. Um, so anyway, so that's kind of what brought this about. So you really, um, and none of, none of this mandate was super crazy, right? 
Wear your mask all the time. That's the biggest piece, right? Uh, None of it was different than anything that he has said before. That we should be doing. And thankfully, yeah. he hasn't shut down the economy, but, and we should all be grateful for that. So just wear your damn mask. So, Sorry, 10 o'clock bars, that's the... <laughs> there, well, there are, there are a couple things. So first off, for some fucking reason, if we stop selling alcohol, serving alcohol at 10 p.m., I think they're worried about drunk people taking their masks off. Ma- yeah, but... <laughs> but magically, the the behavior changes after 10 p.m. for people in a bar. But the thing is, is if you're in a bar and you're actively drinking, you don't have to have your mask on. Exactly. So it doesn't matter if it's it's six in the afternoon or one in the morning. You're still drinking. You're still at a bar. Like I, that's the piece that boggles my mind the most. Um, but there are a couple other things. Sports. Yeah. All high school sports, <laughs> intramurals, club activities, all that stuff is canceled for the next two weeks. Unless you're in a championship. Except for the playoffs. That's fucking crazy. Just fucking stop them. Yeah. It's high school. It does not fucking matter. Well, postpone it for two weeks. You don't have to call it off. Just yeah, postpone, just postpone, postpone it for two, it for weeks. two yeah, weeks. So so all remaining fall sports, soccer, tennis, cross country, baseball, as long as you're in a playoff, you can still play. But what counts as a playoff? What if you have a state dance competition? Well, dancers don't matter. But they're an activity. Well, all activities except for sports. Is yeah, but it's a sport, right? Exactly. There's a gray well, area churches, that wasn't clearly defined. Church have not been canceled. Yeah, churches are exempt because, you know, why not? You can't get you can't get COVID when God's watching. That's right. Jesus won't let I it thought happen. He was should, we go back to our, should we go back to our folklore and fairy tale conversation? And, yeah, myths. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the increased testing is a big deal. Um, so they're, they're adding uh, more capacity to test. And a big part of the reason for that is they're now requiring any college or university student, if you are on campus for any reason, you have to get tested once a week. Maya's livid. <laughs> I know. She did that post and I was like, you what know is what's wrong though? with Jeremy's kids? Like, she, how did this happen? That's a high risk area. The number, look. Why is she livid? Just get the damn test. It doesn't well, cost her anything. Here's she the, gets a swab stuck up her nose for a second. Here's the thing. Or spit in a jar. The reason, the reason for high school uh, activities, I'm not just going to say sports because it's all like extracurriculars and clubs and all that shit. The reason high school activities and collegiate activities have been restricted and the reason that um, they're requiring testing on college and university campuses, the number one spreader of COVID right now is kids ages 18 to 24. So your daughter's generation doesn't fucking get it, doesn't wear masks. You say your daughter, but our kids are our in Our kids it, are in the same generation. But our kids go get tested. I mean, Cassie was exposed and she's Sean like, gets tested, get Sean gets tested twice, twice a, week. a week. But that's just... That's just part of her job now. Is so she... I have a question. Have you asked Maya why she's so mad? I told, well, I told her it's for your safety and it's for It's also good. just a spit test. She's but, not going to get a swab. But why, why is she so mad? I don't know. It's an like, I really, really want to know. I, I, I'm giving you right? some homework. The I would like you to ask so Maya why spitting in a tube makes her so angry when it could help protect you, your parents, other at-risk people that she might be around. Maybe she doesn't want to protect her fiancé. I don't know. I think it, I, I'm guessing it's her generation. Her yeah, well, it's but my exactly kids don't have... My kids are all yeah, about it. Our my kids, kids are, are fucking, all about masks. Our kids are unique snowflakes. I guess. They're not necessarily, but we also live in a very conservative state, and in that regard, they're unique snowflakes. Because when Sean took my car down to St. George for to visit her friend for her birthday, 
I had an extra mask and I was like, you guys can use that if you need to use it. Just let me know so I can wash it. Um, they broke it, whatever. <laughs> but, but the point was, is Sean went down there. She's like, no, if you guys are going to be around me and we're going to be doing this, you've got to have a mask on. And he didn't. And so he used that mask. I know she wears the masks. She doesn't have a problem with the masks. It's yeah. just the testing. Everywhere. It literally takes like two. I've had to do it twice. It's, you just like, but Rowan was the same way. She wouldn't get a she's, test. She's part of the fucking problem. That's why I say that. Rowan is the poster child for why this is an issue. Huh. Rowan was at a fucking football game with her mask off yelling. That is 100% the reason activities are canceled and they're requiring college age kids to get tests if they're going on campus. It's an easy place to spread it. Uh, they they are just they're fucking irresponsible. And, Listen, and, in Tennessee, went to a high school football game. They checked your temperature and made you wear a mask. Yeah, and Tennessee's not a fucking liberal place. No, it <laughs> is Trump country. Yeah, it's not <laughs> a, apparently. Well, and when I went to my my little work party and stuff, they required masks the whole time, and they took our temperature we as a, we came. They made us come in one door. They had us all directed to a door, and we all had to have our temperature. By taken. the way, now uh, if your employer does not do those things. And does not have posted signage inside the office and people wearing masks when they're not in their personal workspace. Uh, if, if you are in an office not wearing a mask, if someone is there, the first thing you should do is talk to your HR because they should be doing that. The next thing you do, if you're concerned and your company's not doing that, is you go ahead and report them to the state because it's a $10,000 right. fine for them not following those procedures. That's what... What if I reported my own company? Could I get like a, a reward for a that or something? Fee. You're not going to get a finder's fee. Half of the fee. <laughs> but look, look, here's the thing. If you are concerned that the workplace you're in is not safe because they're not enforcing that, report them. Because it costs them ten grand. Guess what they're gonna fucking do? I was super shocked because at the beginning all of of all of this, my bosses were like, "It's not a thing. It's not that big of a deal." And even before the numbers were getting super super crazy, um, while they were on their way up, they were talking. Guys, about we it shut at the economy meetings. down at two hundred rolling cases. I know, but I'm just saying. So they were putting on masks, and they actually joined the. There's something that you can join with the state where the the you stay act, safe, stay open. Yeah, so that means that at any time, the state can just come into your office and just check. They don't warn you. They just come and they say, "Okay, we're coming around. We're going to see like if you have uh, sanitizing stations available. If you're taking people's temperatures, if people are wearing their masks, things like that." And my company actually signed up for it. <laughs> What what this does is it gives uh, it gives a mandate for people to wear masks. So statewide. So now when you go to Utah County, it yeah. Gives, and do you know that there are people that are trying that are like, this is not constitutional. You can't make us wear masks. Perfectly fucking constitutional. Here's the thing: if you're so disconcerned with public health, like that is. Guess what? I have no words. If you don't wear a seatbelt, you're gonna get a ticket. If you don't wear a fucking shirt or shoes, people don't let you in their store. The mask is no different, and having a state mandate allows the store owner to say it's state mandated. Or if you walk into a store smoking, point same thing. They throw yeah, you let's right all, out. Yeah, let's 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 if we just all started doing that stuff. I was thinking about that the other day. So, and it also, like I said, the the fines to businesses that don't want to participate is a protection for the employees. Um, so it's it's. The governor finally saying, get serious now that he's not afraid Spencer Cox is going to lose the election. Cause, you know, that was He fucking... wouldn't have lost anyway. He might have lost a few votes here and there. I know. But he won by a landslide. Yeah, I know. 
I know, but that's the only reason that makes any sense as to why this didn't oh, happen I months ago. I, t- I said that. Uh, so yeah, um, wear your masks. Don't be fucking stupid. And I hopefully mean, we can get this under control. Statement. I, I mean, I'm pretty plain. Or don't like, just go fucking buy a paper oh, I know, mask but it could be it. fun. Cause like, I know Jess has a bunch of fun little masks that she can put on. We have friends that have fun masks. Just make it, make it fun. Well, uh, this week we're joined by, uh, Nick Artiaga. Now I'm going to excessively roll it after having the conversation about it. You don't have Arr. to go. <laughs> Just talk like a pirate and talk to Hispanic folk. Artiaga. <laughs> that, has anyone done that to you before? <laughs> no. No. It's the first time for everything. Right. Chris is bizarre. Well, you won't forget this interview then. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, Nick is uh, with the Utah Pride Center, uh, specifically the transaction portion of the Utah Pride Center. Is that correct, Nick? Um, yeah. So, yeah, Nick, he, him, they, them pronouns. Um, I am the community programs coordinator, um, but I also run the transaction group meetings, which is a trans-led, trans-positive um, adult-focused group that we offer at the Utah Pride Center. So I just keep the conversation going and check-ins, and sometimes we play games um, on Sundays at one thirty to 3. So That was a specific plug. Yeah. I want to come play games. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you said the, the community program manager uh, for the Pride Center? Is that, did I get that right? Uh, yeah. The, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, the wording is a community programs coordinator, okay. but I also um, manage the adult focus group. So they're kind of one in the same, but different. Um, that didn't make sense. We can edit that, right? Um, <laughs> I told you already, I don't edit. But, <laughs> but basically, I get to do cool stuff like this, like reach out to other organizations that educate the public and are a good you know, platform to use to you know, plug other cool events that are happening that other folks might not have otherwise heard about. Um, and uh, like, for example, I reached out to the Tracy Aviary, Aviary Jordan Nature Center. Um, they were going to have a grand opening for the space, but COVID kind of interrupted a lot of those plans. And we did a trash picker social. So we run around with trash pickers, sanitizer, gloves, picking up, um, you know, all the stuff left behind along the That's trail. Really cool. And then um, this last Saturday, they actually did a paddle with pride and they had canoes that they let folks rent and register for to paddle around and pick up the trash that was in the river. So <laughs> just cool, neat little things like that. I get to, you know, my own personal projects. So it's, it's a cool job. That's really cool. That's, that's mm. pretty awesome. So I want to, I want to take a step back, Nick. Um, the first question that we really have to ask you is what month were you born in? What? Why? <laughs> it's important. It's really important. Why do you have to ask that? Because we need to know when people's first. birthdays are. Oh, um, it was on the seventh, so it just passed. It was oh, three days of, of November. Yeah. Oh, I'm a November baby too. My so birthday February. is tomorrow. Yeah, so you're a Valentine's baby. Yeah, yeah. Basically, I always think about that, and I'm just like, you know, I never remember <laughs> Valentine's Day. I think you're the first person to say that you've thought about it when we've asked. He that's didn't amazing. just say he's thought about it. He says he always. He thinks always about thinks. That. No, <laughs> like I think. Oh, nine like, months back. Yeah, eighteen <laughs> to February, and I, and I think back as a child. I don't remember all the excitement that was clearly happening around me. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's just interesting. 
And but, you, you have a lot of siblings too, right? I do. Yeah, I'm the second oldest of ten of us. So. Oh, so maybe there was a reason you were thinking about it all the time. If you have like, you know, yeah, five younger siblings. <laughs> um, well, okay. so oh, <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> both of my parents have six kids together, and then my mom has four of her own, like separate. So, so I don't know if that makes. Okay. It's but. it's it's ten total because six kids yeah. together. I was thinking like six and six, but that doesn't make sense. <laughs> they are having a rough time with math tonight. Look, look I have had two eleven-plus-hour work days in a row. It's been pretty brutal. <laughs> I appreciate y'all taking time to to chat with me. Oh no, this oh, is no. the this is fun. It's yeah. the okay. It's so the, so where we, where were you born? Is the next question. That is a great question. Um, I was born in uh, Southern California. That's where I'm from. Nice. Like L.A., San Diego, Anaheim, those areas? Yeah, like L.A. County. Um, the actual town is uh, Norwalk. Uh, most folks don't know where that is, so I just say, you know, just L.A. County. Yeah. <laughs> L.A. Oh, LA. It's, yeah. like, it's like saying Sandy. If you're not from Utah, you don't know what the hell Sandy is. Yeah, right, right, right. So did you grow up there? Is that where you spent your childhood, or did you move around? Uh, that, um, yeah, so I was there until I was about 14, um, and I went to state. So this was after my parents had split, and I went to live with my mom for a bit uh, in Las Vegas, Nevada, which is pretty eventful. So 14 to 22, basically. Um, I did come That's and visit out time to be in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> It really was. Um, I mean, I was around a lot of like queer culture, culture, and it was just kind of normal because everybody either went to the club or danced at the club or was a bartender at the. Yeah, you know, there was some association with, you know, um, that kind of stuff, and yeah, really hypersexual environment. And I'm, yeah, it, it was pretty impressionable. And looking back, I'm like, wow, I, I was lucky to have those experiences, but at the time, I didn't realize that. Most people didn't just experience those things <laughs> at the age of, you know, 15. But that's not normal for most kids. <laughs> Probably not. I had friends who were getting into clubs, same age as me, and it was just normal, you know. Oh, no. like, Cedar City's you. got a pretty hopping preteen. <laughs> I, I didn't go, but they would tell me about it. So I lived vicariously through them, but it was definitely easy um, by 18, 19 to, yeah, just so. What did your mom do in Vegas? Or should I not ask? Oh, no, you're welcome to ask. I, mean, I, I don't know all the details. If she had 10 kids, she wasn't stripping. Well, um, I don't know. She might have been. Body positivity, you know. Um, I, I really don't know. <laughs> and there's all kinds of strippers, all shapes and sizes. Everyone has a different flavor. So I've met a bunch um, of strippers. None of them had ten kids. That's a lot. That of kids. you know of is is that sure. something a stripper would say? Honestly, no, with that kind of stigma, do you think she's know, the, get the, the ladies talking at, about it? the ladies at the ladies at trails during lunchtime probably would tell you that. Um, she, I. <laughs> <laughs> I think like everybody else, um, a lot of um, working in restaurants, waiting tables, making really good tips at um, like locally owned uh, chains, um, you know, a lot of regulars, um, a lot of, you know, people who hit big and just stay there all night. And, you know, it was kind of a feast or famine, though. 
as far as that goes, like, you know, with paychecks and payouts and things like that. So were any of your other siblings there with you or was it just you and your mom? Um, it was just me for, oh, it was me for about the whole time. Yes. Like I said, my siblings would come visit. I would come out here to visit them uh, when they moved to Utah from California eventually. So um, I just slowly started migrating out this way, but mostly it was me visiting them. Um, so that was facilitated then by your dad moving to Utah? Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure why they picked Utah. I think, you know, just <laughs> wanted a fresh start, you know, and it just seemed like, uh, it had, you know, I'm going to use air quotes, family values and traditional, right? you know, it had that appeal, I think, you know, for my dad being, you know, a single parent now with, you know, my four youngest siblings, because my, I'm the second oldest. So my older sister, her and I are six years apart. So she was already doing her own thing at that point. Um, but, you know, he had some choices and decisions to make. And so he thought, you know, let's venture out this way. This is the place. That's a big move. Well, but but let's face it. If you've got small kids or, or kids in general, mm-hmm. Utah versus L.A., I, I would pick Utah. That's why Utah's blowing up. Because it's, it's, well, and it's less expensive to live here, too. Right. That's true. So what, Little did he know that this is like a mecca for... Like we have the big pride parade now and all that stuff. He didn't, he didn't know. (laughs) Um, No, it's true. There's a lot of things that he, he doesn't know um, or more like doesn't understand, but I think he's really trying, but it is really interesting. Like the more you try to not do something or just evade something, it's like kind of inevitable. It catches up to you like, Oh, I don't want to be like my parents. And then you're saying like the exact same shit they used to tell you that mm-hmm. you would roll your eyes yeah. at as youth. Yeah. Well, so, and, and here we sit around talking about gardens and the weather. So yeah, yeah. yeah. there you go. We're old <laughs> as shit. We talk about elections, the weather. Yeah. Those are important things. So, so why, I mean, obviously you spent a lot of time back and forth from Utah to, to Vegas. It sounds like why, why did you settle on coming to Utah and making some permanency here? Um, so yeah, my, my family moved out here, meaning my dad and my sisters, my older sister did too. Um, I had an aunt or have an aunt, I'm sorry. Um, She's still alive. So, <laughs> I just didn't like how, how morose it sounded. I just used it wrong. <laughs> I had a man. Um, well, actually, she's, she's got a few more years. Yeah. And my mom has since moved out here, actually. So I stopped visiting after a while. Um, just, yeah, but it was nice to be able to have a place to stay in Vegas. But now she lives out here with my four younger siblings. So literally, everybody I love and care about is mostly out in Utah, you know. Um, so it was just easy to just stay out here. Um. Yeah, it, I, it's not all bad. I know when people hear Utah, and even when I say it, sometimes I'm just like, oh. <laughs> "We have a whole podcast on Utah. We don't think it's bad yeah, at all. <laughs> yeah, it's different." <laughs> but it's it's it has a lot of um really cool people out here, and um I've learned a lot since I've been out here, so I really can't knock it. And um yeah, I never thought I would say that, but here we are. So how'd you get involved with, with, you know, Utah Pride Center and, and start doing stuff for them and with them uh, as you moved to Utah? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. So um, by the time I'd moved out to Utah, I already knew that I was uh, part of the queer community. Um, you know, I've been jumping around with the acronyms, and maybe we can get to that later. Um, <laughs> 
um, the letters, yeah, of the LGBTQ plus community. And um, I, you know, just found it really hard um, to fit in. Not that there weren't people like me or that there weren't really nice people around me, but just, you know, and a feeling like there wasn't quite anybody like me. Um, eventually, you kind of filter out the rest of the queer kids, um, you know, because it's such a small place. I was in Saratoga Springs slash Eagle Mountain at oh, this that's... point. That small town. That's that's right. Right. I know that's how we met. Yep. You met at the Smiths. Yeah. Smith? Sweet. Yeah. At the old Smiths. Doesn't exist anymore. Actually, no. Oh, it was McDonald's. Before that, technically. Yeah. It was McDonald's so, before that. This was like seven oh, wait, ask years ago. No, Nick, I, I'm going to let you know it actually was longer because I've now been at my day job for eight years. So, so. I got to ask you, Nick, because. I Jess, know. Jess strikes me as this kind of person, but I've never like traveled with her to really understand. But there there are certain people, like I used to travel with this lady, Brittany, and when we would go somewhere, like in a grocery store, everyone would strike up conversations with her. It did not matter, like, what we were doing. We were checking. It was like 930 at night in Elmira, New York, and we're standing in a grocery store line, and there was one person in there with us in, the, in front of us. And he stops and stays there after his stuff's done and has a full conversation with this person. Is that Jess? Um, I mean, probably because that's how we <laughs> met. In fact, that's how a lot of wonderful people that I know now, that's how we met. Like they just kind of sought me out and I was like, okay, fine. I'll talk to you. <laughs> and then after a while it wasn't so painful, but she was always really nice. Um, when I worked at McDonald's, like you said more about eight years ago or longer than that. It's been longer. Yeah. <sighs> was she nice to get free coffee or was she nice to be nice? Well, we didn't know about <laughs> McDonald's coffee then, but no, oh. but then he moved over to the Smiths and that's. That's where we uh, developed our friendship. So yeah, McDonald's yeah. coffee yeah. tasted like regular ass coffee. I like I'm the, I'm the opposite. I'm the person that nobody wants to talk to because I have resting bitch face. It's true. <laughs> She's beautiful. I know about that. It runs in my family. So maybe it's just like the Mexican side of me. So maybe. I don't so know. did your family always kind of know, or how how did how did that evolve with your family about? About like my you. gender identity? Yeah, yeah. about you. Oh, yeah, why don't, you why don't we first talk about what your gender identity is? Because this is yeah. a this oh, is a right. podcast format, and you can't see. That's and true. You don't. Yeah, we don't know. And, and honestly, I think We've... even if you saw, you wouldn't have any idea. So I think um, maybe it's good to first talk about that and, yes. and what your gender identity is. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, even when you can see people, it's hard to tell how they're going to identify unless you ask them. Um but basically, the way that I identify is as non-binary, transmasculine. Um, and yeah, usually I'll add person of color after just because I'm of, you know, Latinx descent. Um, and I don't look super white. So people usually figure it out. And with my last name <laughs> and how I like to roll my R's, go back to that. You're Italian. Um, <laughs> I finally grew a mustache. So now it's just more imminent that... You know, I am Mexican. Um, but yeah, so that's how yeah, I identify. Look like a cousin. You got to get rid of the rest of the facial hair, though. Just go with the mustache only. <laughs> no, I don't, don't do that. Miss it, honestly. I, I'm okay. But I bet you have a baby face without it. Chris has a baby face without his beard. Yeah, I would. I'm not so worried about that. I just, I've gotten, you know, chubbier. And so I feel like <laughs> it probably doesn't. But I'm rocking this look. I like it, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it this way. So yeah, um, we, 
back kind of to Jeremy's question now. So when did you when did you kind of figure all that out? Um, I think for a lot of folks and in my own personal experience, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, that one time when I was, you know, this old, I remember wanting to wear, you know, um, quote unquote boy clothes or, you know, wanted my hair shorter, not longer. Um, I don't really know that that's necessarily a tell because, again, being non-binary, not necessarily identifying um, as the sex I was assigned at birth, which was female and not um feeling so much like on the other end of this imaginary gender spectrum of male. I just kind of float around the middle and just do whatever the fuck I want. You know, sorry. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that word? Yes. Oh, yay. Okay. <laughs> if you're going to keep answering questions like this. They get me fired up. Um, please expect it. Um, but yeah, I think um, there are just a lot of things. I was just like, you know, I didn't really like being under these expectations of what, you know, a woman is supposed to be what a girl's supposed to do. And um, looking back, I can see there was a lot of conflict with just a lot of things that gender affects in your life that you don't realize until you realize until you figure out that, you know, your outward appearance and the expectations set upon you at a very young age um, aren't congruent with how I felt inside and, you know, just how I felt in my heart and in my brain. Um I would say even very definitely with the Spanish language, everything is set up masculine yeah. and feminine. So, I mean, it's very much so a part of our society. Mm-hmm. And so that's got to be tough. Yeah. Which is super crazy because that's only as recent as like the 50s that that shit has been so ingrained culturally in terms of like how a boy should act and how, how a girl, girl should act. Well, when mm-hmm. it, it, back before that, all children were dresses yeah, boys basically. girls mm-hmm. they, they wore gowns oh yeah and... my grandpa's baby pictures he's in a dress yeah no, well, that was normal. normal and high like... heels started out as men's wardrobe mm-hmm. i've i've told this story before but i i'm gonna tell it again because it's relevant um my my daughters are much more progressive than i am and i'm older and i i along those lines of you talking about not realizing what gender norms are put on people I was aware and and didn't really care, but I wasn't aware enough to to realize things. And so one day somebody said something about uh, a boy wearing a tutu. And I was like, why? And my oldest daughter was like, well, why not? And so I kind of apply that to everything now. If I question something, if I look at someone and I'm like, why are they wearing that? Not because maybe they just look bad in it, but because of like, because I think that they shouldn't because they're, I think they're a boy or a girl. I always go back to that question that my daughter asked me because she's way smarter than I am and, and made me question that. And I always stop and think, okay, did I do that? Be just because that's just what was ingrained in me, what I grew up with. And so it, and that's just me as a you know a cis person just trying to to recognize that so that I'm not horrible to other people or so that I'm not judgmental to other people. So it must be really hard when it's actually happening to you and you're trying to figure out why you're not you want to wear the tutu to... or you don't want to wear the tutu when people <laughs> expect or don't expect you to wear it. Like, and then you have people on the outside telling you that you should or shouldn't. Like, I, I just... Well, and it's beyond just, it's just, I mean, we're, we're kind of narrowing it down and talking specifically about like clothing, but it's a lot more than just clothing. Well, I know right? it was just an yeah. example of 
like that's confusing enough just to me from the outside trying to change my thought process. I can't imagine what it's like for you as you're living through. Why do I not Feel want to be this girl that everyone expects me to be? And you're also going through everything else that kids go through as they grow up. And now you've got that added burden of society. So did you ever feel like, you know, your, your body was just wrong for you at any point? Um, well, I just want to say thanks, Bree. I totally get what you're saying and I appreciate that. Um, I mean, I just kind of, yeah, I felt like I didn't, not so much that I had a wrong body. I mean, it works just fine. I'm healthy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm at this point where those are the issues or concerns I'd have like, Oh, my knees are cracking or whatever. Um, but yeah, there were some times where I just felt really sad and just, you know, really frustrated that, you know, my body was doing things I didn't want it to and vice versa. Um, just like anything, you know, even really good looking ripped people have, you know, bad um, self image days, you know, it's natural for that to occur. So I mean, um, I'm not comparing myself to a, like a chiseled athlete by any means, but oh, you should. Those, if you want to add that imagery, I'm okay with that. Those um, people have body issues constantly. There's again, a reason they're in no the gym all the time. No one can see you for all these. You're like <laughs> six four. Okay. Unless you go to the Utah Pride Center website, and then, true. Then you yeah. can see lots of people. Yeah, but that's okay. a cute bow tie in your picture. I super like it. Oh, thank you. Um, but yeah, basically just, yeah, feeling a lot of frustration, you know, not having terminology for it, not understanding why, you know, other lesbians like me or other people in the queer community couldn't, um, you know, empathize with me on a level that I needed. Um, and then with my family being like a super LDS, I mean, most of them enough for it to be impactful, you know, on my experience and all of us as a family, um, but yeah, there are a lot of outrageous standards that just really, just really mess with my self-esteem because I thought, you know, having these feelings, you know, clearly weren't things that they ever talked about at church that we ever talked about at home that I ever learned about in school. I mean, I was being failed on a bunch of institutions in my life and, um, so, yeah, having to figure that out on my own, having to find the terminology, having to find Internet connection in freaking Eagle Mountain. Um, <laughs> it was really hard to do. And um, eventually I found the Utah Pride Center. And that's when I started going to um, adult trans support groups, you know, where I could meet other people like me, different ages, sizes, ethnicity, you know, backgrounds, uh, socioeconomic status. Um, and it was really cool. I mean, to just see that there are other people like me, wh whether we got along or not, or had the same hobbies or interests was another thing, but just to have that visibility and representation was really impactful. Um, and eventually I, met some people who were on the planning committee for gender evolution. Um, the gender conference that's coming up November 13th and 14th. Um, and I was volunteering on the committee and then eventually the folks that were in charge kind of stepped aside and needed a break because burnout is real, especially with community outreach and activism. It really, yeah, it drains you. Um, but, but it's rewarding work. And so I've been doing this for three years now, just co-chairing, 
slash directing the event. And I know uh, we tried to get you on before and time just didn't match up. So I'm glad that it did this year. So as you kind of, I want to go back to to your home life a little bit because, you know, you, you do have a super LDS family around you. Um, And part of why you're in Utah is like you said, everyone you love and care about is here. How, you know, as you went through this, like really, I mean, it was a troublesome time in your life, right? You were trying to figure out who you were and how you fit in and where you fit in. And when you started to come to longer term realizations of, of why you felt the way you did and, and what you wanted your life to look like moving forward, how was your family in accepting of that? Because, you know, certainly we all know you didn't, you just told us no one talks about it. Um, but you know, obviously things are very different now. So how did the, how did the family take it? You know, are they, are they still loving and caring family for you? Um, yeah, that's, that's a really good question. Um, so yeah, they all love and care for me. Um, in fact, you know, my sisters are some of my biggest, they are my biggest allies and advocates. In fact, I'd be more worried about dead naming or misgendering me in front of them because they will call your eyes out. <laughs> they will cut um, a bitch. <laughs> that RBF, yeah, comes in with like, you know, <laughs> dirty looks, you will regret it and immediately know what you did wrong before I could even register that the, it took place, um, not in an aggressive way, in a loving way. Although that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they would probably just laugh and be like, yup. <laughs> they wouldn't disagree with me. Um, and my nieces and nephews are really great too. I have 11 of them. Um, my friend Jandy, uh, I learned the term nibblings from her, which is like a gender neutral term for nieces and nephews, nibblings. Nibblings. Uh, They're like siblings, but not. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, yeah, it sounds very cannibalistic though. I think it's super cute. I just don't have any nieces or nephews. So yeah, no use of the terminology. I have some. No, but I, it sounds like you, you're in a great position and, and working with the pride center. And, and we've talked about it here on our show, Um, You know, Utah has an incredibly high suicide rate um, and a lack of support for kids in the LGBTQ plus community. Um, I know that you said that you mostly work with adults, but, you know, what what have you seen going into that as an adult that I mean, even as allies that we could do to support, you know, the younger generations? Um, yeah, I've actually been fortunate enough to help um, just drop in and facilitate support groups and some activity nights with the youth. So I actually have been fortunate to work, um, you know, with the younger folks and then, you know, um, people over 18. Um, but they are just so amazing and so smart. And like, <laughs> they just crack me up. And I, you know, I, we worry for them, of course, but then at the same time, when I'm speaking to them and they're just showing more courage and bravery than I can even still, you know, emit at this point in my life, I'm like, y'all are going to be okay. Um, but yeah, we, we do have a youth and family department. Um, we offer, like I said, support groups, um, activity nights, they'll put, um, the staff will put, um, craft night stuff together, you know, putty, clay, paint, colored pencils and little things so that everybody can do an activity together, even though we're social distance and they'll take time to drop them off to every kid's home. That's um, awesome. yeah. So tra- transaction is for adults. Is there a program that the pride center often offers for um, younger kids? Cause I assume trans action starts at 18. Is that mm-hmm. the age? 
Yeah, so um, that's a good question. I um, basically, yeah, there's nothing geared specifically for trans youth, um, but I've noticed a trend just in general, what I've seen online, what I've seen in my own uh, personal experience, um, is a lot of the youth now are kind of more gender fluid. And so, I mean, surprisingly, and I mean, it wouldn't be surprising if most of them already were, you know, under the trans gender umbrella um, because more and more people are coming out and feeling comfortable and having these terms and seeing these characters on TV and, you know, their favorite person in a book. And it's like, it's, it's becoming more and more normalized as it should be that there are other people like them. And so now um, I think that's why we're seeing more and more folks, you know, I, I asked that because I've had a couple situations in the last, I would say, probably even just two weeks that, um, you know, friends in the LGBTQ community are reaching out for resources for other people. Um, there was also a mother out in Eagle Mountain that was looking for resources for um, both of her sons who are transitioning. So that's why I asked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody's welcome there. Um, like I said, our youth are just really amazing people um <laughs> I was like i don't want to call them kids but um okay. they are they're just children um yeah there's there's space for them yeah whether it's downstairs um with the youth or upstairs with 18 and up um there's a lot of support groups we have mental health services as well um and they're free for folks who need it we also offer it on a sliding scale so you know it please reach out to us. We're not open physically, you know, because of COVID, but we're still offering those services for folks who need them. We should probably talk about that since it's the ginormous sick elephant in the room is <laughs> how how the Pride Center has been um, with COVID and how you guys have been able to offer support to people in the community. Um, yeah, I think we're handling it, you know, as best as we can as far as, um, you know, not holding any in-person events, um, still offering all of our support groups. So instead of meeting in a room at the Pride Center, we'd have a Zoom link or, you know, Google Meets or something like that. Um, it's really hard to replace, you know, in-person interaction, but um, we're doing the best that we can. We're lucky that a lot of our programming can be moved online. Um, so there's you- only a few are you guys experiencing, you know, good reception of that? Are people, you know, uh, taking to the, the Zoom meetings and, and groups and support groups and stuff like that? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, burnout's a real thing, especially when you're staring at a screen all day. Most folks probably do remote work now. So um, it's not really fun to sit in front of the screen again just to chat with people. You're kind of like, oh, I'll text you. Um I mean, I'm not going to lie. I wish there was more attendance sometimes, but I also understand that, you know, some people don't have access um, for whatever reason. They don't have a charger. You know, they don't have electricity where they're at. A private space to to talk. Yeah. A lot of the subject matter that we go over, a lot of the things that affect us are really sensitive topics that may not be safe for others to to overhear. So, yeah. Yeah. there are a lot of reasons why they may not be able to attend. Um, and so we're hoping that, you know, with time as we safely reopen, whenever that is, that people will, you know, reach out and get the support that we can offer, um, you know, until we can meet face to face again. I wonder though, and you probably won't be able to 
to figure this out, but um, I wonder how many people who wanted to go into the Pride Center but just couldn't bring themselves to walk into the door, it was actually easier to, you know, call into a Zoom meeting or something like that where it felt a little... I don't know, more anonymous at first if they were a little worried about actually physically going somewhere and walking into a room full of people that they didn't know. And, and, you know, the the fear is real too of being seen walking into that. that For some people. Yeah. And so if they do have that private space that they can go to and all of the access that they need, I wonder if there's a few people that reached out that maybe wouldn't have, done so had you not been able to keep your services up and do all the work that you've done to to keep access for folks Mm -hmm. i mean i know i feel that even though i facilitated a lot of groups and meetings i i always got anxious going into that space i'd been there a hundred (laughs) times i'd seen all those spaces before they're all super nice. Like there was no reason to, you know, be anxious, but yeah, I think a lot of that has been alleviated for me and I have had other folks say the same thing. Um, but it's really interesting because on the flip side, there are some people who are like, I don't like my display name. I don't know how to change it or I'm using my friend's (laughs) account or, um, yeah, same thing. Like, you know, I don't have any privacy. My phone's about to die and I, I'm far away from home still. Like, this is not a priority, you know, safety first. And so, um, yeah, those realities are real. And like um, Jessica mentioned before, too, a lot of the suicide rates, the rates of homelessness um, are almost, and I know for a fact, or at least at 41%. Um, and this is really young kids, you know, it's not just, you know, 17 year olds with a smart mouth who won't cut their hair. You know, it's, it's really young folks who, you know, need to be at home, but can't. So, um, it's cold. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's been, been warm and, and decent weather. Now it's, now it's cold outside and nobody wants, nobody wants to see anybody on the street just because they didn't fit what society yeah just because they don't fit what society thinks mm-hmm. think you know thinks how they sh- how they should be I, I don't know i i don't have a lot of contact that i am aware of i mean there could be people in my life and and that and that i just don't know but i i was talking to chris the other day about the election Ugh, stupid me i'm all teary again for whatever reason but um Honestly, if Trump had been reelected, there wouldn't have been a lot of repercussion for me directly because I'm older. I don't have, you know, the parts to make babies, so I don't need to worry about abortions or whatever. And I have a job that provides my health care and and I, you know, I look pretty white. So nobody's going to, you know, (laughs) the only thing, you know, that I have is I'm clearly like a woman. So that that thing. But other than that, like there's nothing. But all I could think of is people that aren't okay. And it just was breaking my heart. It was just hurting so bad that people who wouldn't be okay would have to put up with that crap for another four years. Not that it's instantly going to go away, but that for four more years, the person that leads our country would perpetuate it and, and continue to make it be okay. Because it's just not just because I don't, think that I know anybody like that doesn't mean that I think that anybody should be persecuted 
for just being who they are. And it just, it kind of breaks my soul down that so many people in our country still voted for somebody like that, um, that we're having this, this really tight race between Burgess Owens and um, Ben McAdams right now that so many people can't see, can't see that and can't see how it's hurting other human beings that they live and that they work around that's, that are their neighbors that that could be their friends that they may not know about. Cause quite honestly, if I passed you on the street, I, I there's nothing about you that would make me notice anything. Some people are a little more obvious that might, you know, make me look again, or I might look at somebody and think I need to say they or them because I'm not sure. Um, cause otherwise I just kind of make the assumption. Maybe I shouldn't do that either, but, um, you just don't know. There are so many people around you and to just not care mm-hmm. has really, really bothered me. It's it's yeah. taken a little piece of my soul this year to see how many people just still don't care. Yeah, it is pretty wild. And I don't know if it was today or yesterday, but I think um, that race, yeah, Ben McAdams, was. they were apart by only 18 votes. Yeah. 18 people. You know what I mean? Like, like you said, it's not a huge uh, number when you look at it that way. But yeah, to think that, you know, the person next to you may wish that you never existed and that I'll never, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely interesting. Um, There's one thing that I did want to mention and um, was just about like, you know, talking about how, if you can tell that somebody's trans or, Oh, I, you know, I never would have been able to tell, like, I understand what you're saying. And so it's no big deal, but I just want to explain that sometimes that can be problematic because you're saying that people have to look a certain way or all trans people look the same or that we can't have, you know, different, um, different bodies without assuming that it belongs to one gender or another. Right. Um, I know you didn't mean it that way. I'm just saying, um, but, I think it would be important to touch on yeah. that because no, I'm glad you pointed out. Cause that's exactly, but that's like, I still have that, even though I'm trying not to, to my, I have to, it's not an automatic thing for me. I have to think about that and I don't mean it so that I can identify them, but just so that I'm not, well, assuming something. Do you it's, know what it's not unlike when the girls were little, and you know we had the Sudanese neighbors uh, down at oh, the bottom right. of the street, and and you know we would say, hey, who are you? You know who you're out there playing with? And she would say the name of the girl, and we're like, well, who's that? Well, she's the one with this hair. Blah blah. blah. Our kids never ever, even as they got older, described any of the friends that they hung around with in terms of race, even though very clearly it was, you know, the little Sudanese girl who is, is black. Um, they would never say that. That was just never a descriptor that came out of their mouths when, you know, for us to say, you know, the, 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 the little black girl that's down the street or the two, you know, the two sisters for us, that was a natural thing to come out of our mouth. And for the girls, for our kids, they just never described them like that. They that just wasn't part of the descriptor. They would talk about how their hair was or which one was taller, but never a, a descriptor of, of race or ethnicity came out of their mouth. And so I think it's it's similar in that respect. And it's just it. And and I I said what I said to kind of make like I I'm trying to retrain my brain. Mm-hmm. Like right. when I when I say like I would go past you and not think about it. It was just more like. Because I like that's my brain walks past people. And even though I'm not 
consciously doing it, it's like, man, woman, girl, boy, baby, like my brain is automatically doing that so that if somebody was like, oh, did you see that guy that just walked past? I, you know, and, and you're walking with somebody with long hair, I would probably assume you. Well, the, right. The truth like, is, the uh, majority, honest, just honestly, the majority of, of of trans people do look one direction or another. Like there is some association there, and some of them are trying to look uh, a specific way. Um, and I think that's the goal of any of them would be that you just accept them as a person. Um, but you know, we live in a world with gender descriptors, and there are purposes for those too, right? So, and I think that's what a lot of people struggle with in understanding the trans community is understanding why people can't be comfortable with how they were born, right? Like I was born as a guy, as a male, I'm comfortable with that. I don't understand how someone that was born as a male would not be comfortable as that. And it's really hard to grasp for someone that hasn't gone through it, how you don't feel like the person that you are conforming to some societal norm so and you have a you have a report with us over the last you know half hour or whatnot but you know if you have to have this conversation with a stranger like how how do you support that or if somebody that is an ally notices that you know like you said your sisters are quick to correct somebody i would be the same way you know how do you train us in our conversations and how to you know politely correct somebody. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Again, that kind of goes to, you know, the emotional labor of somebody who is different, having to explain and educate folks all the time. But I think I understand what you're saying. And I don't want to keep talking because I'm worried y'all won't invite me back if I keep pointing out these things. You're you're on so that we can. I'll swing back around to something else in a moment. Um, But no, that's a really fair question. Like you, yeah, a lot of people want to wear certain clothes. So that way, you know, you assume, you know, she, her pronouns. And there are some people who, like you said, you might have a feeling like, hmm, they probably look like somebody who appreciates both feminine and masculine things. And I can't tell by one article of clothing what gender they are. So I'm going to use they, them, because that's the safest bet. I respect that. Those are my pronouns. Most people don't use them because they just assume he, him all the time. But I'm also not upset about that either because they're both my pronouns. So I'm lucky in that regard. Um, I was going to, I was going to ask that because I saw your profile on the pride center that, and what you said was that you are, you identify as a non-binary male, which I was like, I don't understand how you can, how you can define yourself as both of those things necessarily. Like you're gender fluid essentially, but you also identify as a male. So, yeah, I don't know if it says that on there. I know I just say transmasculine because I look masculine and I appreciate the parts of me that do because I've been yearning for those aspects of myself for so long and now I have them. Um, but I also don't um, feel like if I said, oh, I'm a man, um, you know, I feel like there'd be so many special and important parts about myself that would be excluded with that title. So I choose um, to say non-binary because I appreciate, you know, my feminine upbringing and everything that it taught me. Um, made me a little bit paranoid and traumatized, but, you know, um, understanding why and being able to be on the other side of that and educate other males or um, 
transmasculine folks or masculine folks, you know, how to not perpetuate toxic masculinity is, you know, a privilege. And I take full advantage of that um, because it shouldn't be on the person who's getting clocked or, you know, ask these questions who may not be comfortable striking up these com- really personal conversations with complete strangers who, for all they know, are, you know, painting a target on their back as they continue to share this information, or if it's just a really genuine um, uneducated ally who just, you know, <laughs> sees somebody who needs that protection, obviously of the world and want to be, you know, that safe person for them. But, you know, there's always a time and a place. And, um, like we talked about earlier, it may not be the correct format to, you know, have that conversation as well as your intentions are, there may be a more significant impact. Um, and then the other thing that I wanted to say is that there's nothing wrong with being black or same color. I mean, in ignoring, you know, people's struggle and strife associated with the treatment that they get because of the color of their skin is that's also not acceptable as far as, you know, making people feel like it's a bad word or something they have to omit about themselves to be able to talk about it. Let's talk about race. It's a huge issue in Utah. Like we can't ignore it. So, Again, I think I understand what folks are saying in that, you know, we're not teaching our our youth to be, you know, discriminating against their peers and to just see the character of this person. Are they funny? Are they smart? Are they nice? Do they share their lunch with you when you share with them? Like, you know, these are the things that kids should be worried about, Um, but also to, you know, denigrate a really huge part of somebody's identity that can also be detrimental and not having these important conversations at such a young age is what's making it harder for us to coexist as peaceful adults because we just run away from these really hard, excuse me, and uncomfortable conversations when really it could save lives and really validate folks who feel like, you know, not only is that counted against them, but now we can't even talk about it. There's no safe space anywhere, not in theory and not in physical spaces as as we've seen you know, at least over the last year. So I don't mean any disrespect. I just need to call it out because if there are folks listening, um, they have to know that that's, you know, where I stand and that's where my values are. And I think that's what we were trying to say. Uh, well, that's, I don't want to assume. Yeah, that's why, I mean, that's why we have people on is to, to share those things. And, well, and there will be somebody that's listening that needs to hear these things mm-hmm. for sure. That has been through all, through the last two months. That's been one of the biggest retrainers for myself because, you know, I didn't grow up in a house where, you know, race mattered. So that was the conversation is I don't see color and, and I have many friends that are people of color. And, and so now I get to say, yes, I get to see that you are, you know, of Latinx community and I appreciate that's where you come from. And, you know, teach me more about your culture or your family or, you know, like, so I get to take that converse, that particular sentence out of my dialogue for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have, I have some other questions and, and you can yeah. tell me if I'm crazy and you don't want to talk about them. <laughs> okay, no judgment. I don't know. I have a I have a question about um, you know trans people specifically in the um, you know the LGBTQ community um, because there's more vowels than than I know anymore. Um, but my understanding of that community and and I'm not you know a member of the community. I I have lots of friends in the community, um, but my understanding of how the community interacts is 
trans people in general are the more underserved of the community and probably the less understood even within the community. Is that, is that really the case? Do you feel like that's the case? Is do you have any reasons why maybe? Um, yeah, that's a great question. And I really appreciate that. I mean, I would say it is one of the underserved parts of the community, but you know, so are our seniors, so are our youth. I mean, there are a lot of folks that fall under that umbrella um, that, yeah, don't get the resources that they need. And I think because of where we live um, and how much, you know, um, power some ideologies have in our, you know, in our laws and regulations and even the verbiage, you know, being so binary and just everything like that, um, you know, and a lot of um, dominating religions out here, you know, which ones I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about, yeah, it's, I think. it's the Mormons in case. <laughs> yeah. Not case, sure. He's in, trying to be he's nice. He's trying to be nice, but in case anybody was was wondering, it's or the, in case you're not from Utah and you're, you don't know, it, it's the ones that claim to be the church. They're trying to steal that from the, the Catholics. So, oh. <laughs> well, yeah, it's the Mormons. Just with how um, normalized it's, it, it feels like it is that to just dispose of something that doesn't fit this cookie cutter expectation of what you need, you know, for eternal salvation and all that. Um, there are really serious consequences. So I do feel personally, yes, um, the trans community is underserved. However, there are some communities, like you said, we they, we don't even know what the full acronym is. I think if you, you know, did a good old jaywalk and went across the street with the mic and asked the first person that you saw, hey, what does the I in LGBTQIA plus mean? They wouldn't know that it means intersex and that we know more intersex folks than we realize because a lot of times it goes undiagnosed. It's not just about what your, you know, genitalia looks like. It's also you know, um, whether your body menstruates or not, whether you sweat a lot, whether you grow hair on certain parts of your body. I mean, it's really strange because a lot of these things you wouldn't know just looking at somebody. And a lot of times folks will never realize that they are intersex because there are only two options at birth, right? And a lot of times these folks undergo surgeries as children and are never told about it and then somehow find out in their medical records that, oh, my God, this did happen. And that's why I always felt this way. And so, I mean, there's a lot of other parts of our community that still a lot of folks don't even know exist. So I want to say yes um, to your question, but also point out that there's a lot more, you know, other really important parts of our community that a lot of people still don't truly understand. And a lot of times those identities, you know, overlap. Um, and so luckily we have more and more people who are able to come out um, and help, you know, pass legislation that protects these children and, you know, educate adults and, you know, navigate them through this, you know, traumatizing Part, pieces of information that really change how they see themselves, how they feel, you know, answers a lot of, you know, questions that they probably didn't even know that they had. And um, yeah, so it's, it's not all bad. I'm not saying that, but there are a lot of negative things that our society implements that really impact these individuals that would have been fine otherwise. Um, are we ever going to come up with something that's not just the initials of every <laughs> So it's easier to say. Well, you know, um, yeah, I. I don't know. That's I mean, a good it used question. To be, it used to be the queer community for mm -hmm. years, which is 
I mean, in, in in reality, that was the descriptor, right? It's everyone that didn't fit into a norm. But now that we've started to label all of these different things, we've got this long acronym of the first letter of everything, but and no one can say it. But also, <laughs> and maybe maybe I'm re- maybe I'm just too much into this, but like you just said, that doesn't fit into the norm. Part of the problem is we don't think of the community as normal. And and I know that some of the community likes that. They don't want to fit into our community because our community is broken and we treat we treat your community like crap. Um but ultimately it is the goal of the LTBGTQIA (laughs) community to get to a point where they're all part of the norm too. Where it's okay to be a boy or a girl or a trans or non-binary or non-binary masculine or whatever it is you want to be called is that's normal. Um, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. And oftentimes it's, it's being othered that really feels, um, you know, dehumanizing, but at the same time, as we start to normalize other identities that have always existed, and in fact, are celebrated in other cultures, um, yeah, once we stop being dehumanized, yeah, it would be great to have the same rights <laughs> and the same what? opportunities as other people. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, at the same time, there is some pride. There absolutely is pride in being different and being who we are and celebrated the, the fact that we deviate from the norm. Because at this point, using that as a baseline, I, I use it with air quotes because, you know, there's no normal, really, realistically. Um is that, um, <clears throat> yeah, there's nothing wrong with, you know, like it's trying to categorize just, you know, all masculine identifying folks, non-binary folks and that, but also not seeing them for more than what they are. Like we can be mothers, artists, you know, technicians, engineers, astronauts, vice president of the United States, That's right. you know, for more than just one thing. So a lot of people do take a lot of pride in those different parts of their identity but unfortunately yes a lot of times folks are demonized because of that and not celebrated because of that diversity they're just being pushed down so, um, and, so yeah. I, I was gonna i was gonna ask about celebration of that kind of diversity because this is a um we just had i think was it in georgia that we had the first transgender uh senator elected state state uh, congressperson elected i think I it was remember in georgia what state it was um, I don't know if it was so. It was a, it I, was a woman. I know I Sarah McBride, Delaware. Delaware, Delaware. Yeah, that sounds better. Yeah, I don't. I couldn't imagine that Georgia would do that. <laughs> They're still trying to elect Democrats tr- in Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Sarah McBride. Um, I actually have a selfie with her somewhere in my phone, and I'm oh, wearing a awesome. tux at the Allies dinner. So that was pretty cool um, to see her you know, win that seat and having met her in person and knowing that, you know, she's the best person for the job and also being able to celebrate the fact that yes, she is a transgender woman, but clearly there's so much more to her. 10 years ago, no way that would have happened. I I agree. Yeah. I mean, it barely happened. So yes, you're right. I mean, we hoped that it was going to happen four years ago with With, Misty Snow. She was such an awesome candidate. I got to tell you, I still, I'll never forget the day that the the debate with Mike Lee. And And she toasted him. You could see, (laughs) 
the instant the that oh he, shit on that he face. recognized that this fucking woman knows a lot more than I thought She's she did, so and I need to smart. raise some money, and I need to actually like campaign against her because she has a chance to win because she knows what she's doing. But I, I think it speaks volumes to to see people in the community being able to be lifted to those positions. Um, you know, I um, what's her name? What's the Supergirl star? Um, the transgender. Oh, stalker. I can't think of. I had her no name idea. Rose. Yeah, no, 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 no. No. Oh, new one. No, so no. She, she's she's Dreamer in Supergirl, and we were watching it, and she, and they, hadn't really been paying attention to it. But they brought up the fact that she's transgender on the show, the and Chris and I both got all offended, and we're like, they should have an actual transgender person. We looked it up, and she is. Yeah, and, Nicole Maines is her and name. And so we were we were really excited for the community because we were like, why did they just have this? Why would they just have a girl on there for it? And we just, it, it wasn't anything that we had noticed. It wasn't anything that you could pick. But she really was transgendered. And I was like, finally, they actually had a transgendered person play a transgendered person. <laughs> <laughs> like and she's one. Of, she was one of my favorite characters. I'm so sad to have lost Supergirl because they did a lot of LGBTQIA really plus characters, in and yes. including this one. And she was one of the main people in the show. She wasn't just some one-off character that was in one show. She was in all the episodes. That's awesome. Yeah, I just think it's good to see that stuff. Okay, I don't. Before we run out of time, um, I want to talk about uh, the gender, the gender revolution. revolution with you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I already forgot about it. We've had some, uh, I, I did. We got so deep into You're other things. Down names so people look up. And... You know what? Here's what it was. I was looking up uh, Star Trek Discovery because Ian Alexander is a non-binary person and they're the cast oh, of this remake. And there's also another awesome character whose name I cannot think of off the bat. And I feel so bad because they deserve representation too so i was googling that i'm sorry i was cheating and mm-hmm. trying to look that up i also met ian alexander at the same dinner so <laughs> <laughs> it was like a selfie whore i went wild and i uh, no the shame. character's name is adira there you go so we're making a lot of progress you and know pose though you have the whole cast of pose almost the whole entire cast of pose is um trans or non-binary which is freaking incredible yeah it's it's really cool. Um, so yeah, Gender Evolution this year, um, it's usually a one-day in-person conference. Um, it was started by Transaction, which is one of the programs at the Utah Pride Center. Um, and it just started as a mini conference as a way to educate folks and just, you know, really start fostering community and finding other people like us and, you know, just sharing ideas and experiences and, you know, reaching out to professionals and people who serve the trans community um, and giving them a platform to share this information, you know, with their geared audience. And um, unfortunately, you know, we can't do that this year, but it did allow us to go online, making it more accessible for everybody. Um, it'll be hosted through Hey Summit. So Zoom um, will be the platform essentially that we're using. Um, it'll be a two day event this year. Um, so we're like, go big or go home. Um, I guess we're trying to make up for the fact that we don't have that in person effect uh, to the conference this year. Um, but we'll have about 30 workshops to choose from, um, you know, ranging from name and gender marker change specific to Utah, you know, because the paperwork varies from state to state, uh, transgender 101 for folks who are just 
you know, curious and just want to know the right terminology and how to ask this and, you know, um, things like that, just very basic information when it comes to the transgender community. Um, we'll have Kyle Myers, who has a book out um, on gender creative parenting. Um, we'll have some surgeons talking about feminizing and masculinizing surgeries um, that most folks might be interested in. Um, we also have, you know, parents talking about their kids coming out to them and, you know, their journey transitioning with their child in this world of uncertainty. And, you know, um, there's just really a plethora. And we also have three amazing keynote speakers um, that we invited this year. And um, so we'll have Skylar Baylor on f- Friday, Friday the 13th, <laughs> Fuki music here. Um And he is the first uh, transgender athlete um, to swim for Harvard. And he's an NCAA Division I athlete, basically. And he also did a lot of work to change some of the rules and regulations um, for transgender folks to be in professional sports. Um, I mean, he has so many awards and achievements, but he is a really young person who did a lot by the age of 15. He broke a lot of um, swimming records. Um, and he actually realized that uh, he was trans as he was swimming and had to take a break professionally to transition as he needed to for himself because everybody's transitional journey looks different. Um, and Harvard really wanted him. So they're like, we'll wait for you. And he's just been, you know, uh, amazing and just, you know, taking care of himself in a really extraordinary way. Um, and then on Saturday, we'll have... Uh, Kay Yulande Barrett, um, who is a poet, performer, also non-binary, um, person of color, again, who is just a really huge transgender a- activist as well as a disability rights activist. I mean, just, uh, again, a lot of amazing things. Um, is very talented, uh, very visible for our community. Um, and then we'll also have uh, Lydia Xe Brown. Again, a non-binary person of color, uh, an attorney, educator, you know, transgender advocate. Um, Let me see. They, yeah, they have autism and they just really champion for uh, multiply marginalized folks in all kinds of capacities. And we just really wanted to invite people who would bring that visibility and really match our theme this year, which is shattering binaries and thinking outside of the box. So just seeing these amazing people just being true to themselves and doing these really amazing things and continuing to advocate for other folks who aren't quite there yet. Um, and just championing, um, you know, the, the fact that there are a lot of folks who live outside of these gender norms that society has built for us and seeing that it is possible to be successful and, you know, um, to really thrive and help others, even when you're still technically a marginalized person yourself. Um, and so I, I, I'm really hoping that bringing these amazing individuals to the conference along with all of our community members and other presenters will really, um, continue to foster that community, which is part of why we do gender evolution in spite of the fact that, you know, we can't get together and be in the same space. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for this year's event. Like I said, this will be the third year that I helped plan this event. Um, 
And I think it really has saved lives and it's really opened up a lot of eyes and, you know, um, helped repair and build relationships with kids and their parents and their educators and, you know, um, law enforcement, you know, um, legal advocates, victims' rights advocates, knowing how to engage with our community is absolutely life-saving. So there's going to be a lot of stuff going on. There are going to be a lot of amazing workshops. Um, We are offering scholarships. We do not want finances or lack thereof to be a barrier. Um, We think everybody should be educated. And as long as we're respectful and kind to one another, that there's room for everybody here at Gender Evolution 2020. So um, if you go to the Utah Pride Center website, um, under the tab education um, and training, you will see all the information for gender evolution registration, um, some of the cool prizes for our opportunity drawing. Everyone gets one raffle ticket with registration, even a scholarship. So we just want everybody to have a fair chance at winning cool stuff and hearing all of our amazing speakers and what they have to say. Awesome. If if people want to get a hold of you or or uh, sign up for this um, or just you know get get some assistance or join a group with the Pride Center, how do they do that, Nick? Um, that's a great question. So the Utah Pride Center website actually has a calendar with all of our events, links, details. Um, so all of our support groups are listed there. Our one-off amazing events like Gender Evolution will be listed there as well. Um, Facebook is where a lot of our social media presence is. Um, So if you were to go and like the Utah Pride Center, a lot of times you'll see posts from our groups, but all of our programs actually have their own Facebook pages as well. So you'll find Transaction there, um, the People of Color group, um, Utah Queer Historical Society, Public Safety Pride Alliance, um, the One of Five Club. Uh, Sage, they'll they'll all be there. We're we're there somewhere. So if you just Google it, you'll find us. I feel like it's flooded my newsfeed so much; it's impossible. No one else has figured out what these groups are. <laughs> I know that the algorithm is somehow personalized to me, so it just feels that way. But um, yeah, if if you have any questions, um, yeah, the Utah Pride Center website will have all the information, calendar, contact information for us. I'm on Facebook, Nick UPC. Um, please feel free to add me. I'm pretty much an open book. Um, I know how important education is, and I don't mind, you know, putting myself in vulnerable situations to help other people out. So um, feel free to contact me for whatever. Are you only on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter as well? Um, okay. I'm so embarrassed because someone <laughs> tried to add me on either one of those, and I was like, oh, I did pick that name, didn't I? Um, I'm on there, but not very much. <laughs> so like work-wise and even personally, Facebook is kind of where it's at for me. I don't think I have the Isn't energy like right now. like Sexy Nick Artega? What's that? <laughs> sexy Nick Artega. <laughs> is that, that something like that? I don't is know. Is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> not even know. Know. <laughs> no, um... I actually think it's uh, Nachu Daddy or something like that. It is. It is. I remember. It's all coming back to me now. That's awesome. That's so good. Um, You should just own that. Yeah, you should own that. That I should. Um, Now I'm looking up Twitter because go big. Because it's like dad joke right there. I don't Everybody even want to say what jokes. my Twitter name is because I made it so long ago. It doesn't it's matter. Just... No one can follow you. <laughs> it's true because no it's all privatized. But it's, yeah. It's Caliente Guarita. Yeah. Spicy. Yeah. <laughs> so my Twitter is Nachu Nick. So um, nice. 
I like Nacho Daddy though. You need to just get that handle everywhere and switch it. I know it's not going. It's a fantastic. Just own it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Nick Arteaga at utahpridecenter.org is my work email. Um, that's probably the most important handle uh, contact you should have, not the other one. <laughs> 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 we, we can edit that. <laughs> no, no, <Nope>. no, sir. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, I am very fortunate that I can be myself in all places and with all the people in my life. So, um, yeah, feel free. Whatever platform is easiest and most comfortable for you, I am there for you, however you want to reach out. And if you're a dick, don't bother. Yeah. I mean, you know, who doesn't like a little dick every now and then? <laughs> if you have one, then it's fine, but not if you are one. Yeah. Right. right. No, I'm just, yeah, maybe a little. I um, prefer asshole. Yeah. You know, I just like people to shit all over everyone else. <laughs> you know, it's I, I just like the, the more advocacy I do, or the, just the more out and loud I am, the less of that kind of um, attention I get. So I don't know if I'm just like not as popular as I think or people are just no, like, I think you, you probably don't, you're, you're not as much of a target to be picked on because you're very confident about it. And where people run into trouble is where someone finds someone who once, does have a weakness. Once they find your button. Doesn't have the support and, yeah. and yeah, they find that that person's button there. It, it amazes me how many people get off on just pissing someone off or hurting someone's feelings or that's that's their goal like their goal is to get that negative reaction for whatever reason that it may be and you probably don't provide it and so the trolls that do that just they've they've gone on and they've they've moved on to some other innocent person that can't that can't hack it they got me when I was younger, so now I'm like, <laughs> I got one, a free pass now. <laughs> one more question for you, Nick. We would yeah. be remiss not to ask someone that has chosen to live in Utah. What's the most interesting or unique thing that you've discovered about Utah in your time here? Um, the most interesting thing is um, even though people assume – that everyone here is, you know, LDS. There are a lot of people who aren't. There are a lot of amazing, intelligent, woke folks out here. And the fact that I've been able to semi air quote the woke. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I think finding community and really amazing people that I need and want in my life in a place that I assumed was just going to be not that has been really eye opening. There are also a lot of beautiful monuments. Like it's, when the air quality isn't doing horrible, I mean, it's a really beautiful place. Uh, it's kind of like a little secret. Like from the outside, it looks like this horrible, ugly, hateful place. But once you're in it, you can kind of see all the beauty that's kind of hidden all around. Including hey, they're down, they're are down to 60% now, Nick. So that's, <laughs> we're working. We're working on it. Their, their majority is, is slowly waning. But it is still insane. 60% of one particular religion in a in a state is insane that's it is pretty wild those numbers but i just think um for what it is i like i said i've been able to grow so much and learn so much from a lot of people and you know i have my family and my chosen family i mean i'm pretty fortunate in the fact that i could find all of that out here i if you would have told me that i would <laughs> i would have laughed really hard <laughs> not anything of it and then had that aha moment a decade later. But 
here we are and um, I'm grateful for it. I don't know if Utah's a forever home, but it's been good to me so far. Well, Nick, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure getting to talk to you and get to know you. Thank you. All of you as well. Um, I appreciate your, your candor and um, your ability to listen and understand where I'm coming from. I really appreciate it. That's going to do it for the show this week. Uh, thanks, Nick. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, this is where I would have probably put in the correction for Nick's interview, <clears throat> but they got it ahead of time, so they knew. The whole interview, they were watching out for it now. Now so. they were listening for it. <laughs> <laughs> On YouTube. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh um, yeah, thanks, Nick. Um, go check out that event, uh, especially if you're curious. Maybe we'll get Nick on uh, another show at some point in the future. Um, I don't know what else there is to say, really, at this point, so I'm not going to say much. Follow us on uh, uh, on all the things. At TNU Podcast is our handle. It's not as cool as Not You Daddy. But, uh, <laughs> when he said that, I was like, yeah, everything, it all came back to me. And I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, that was his handle for the longest time. At TNU Podcast. Uh, thanks to Folk Hogan for our music. We really love those guys. Go buy some of their shit. Um, they're, they're starving artists, especially when they can't perform. Um, and... Um, yeah, there's nothing else to say. 